0: Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism, Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Hello, and welcome
1: to Field Notes. I'm Dave Mason. Today we start our study, verse by verse, of the book of John. Join us each week as we pick up where we left off the previous week and continue studying this incredible gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John. It's been called the most amazing book ever written. It's unique among the three other Gospels because Matthew, Mark, and Luke all cross-reference each other extensively. You see a story in Matthew, you'll probably see it in Mark or Luke. They follow the same basic pattern, and they show different aspects of Christ's ministry through the same basic stories. But John's Gospel is different. Nearly 90% of what is written in the Gospel of John is unique to the Gospel of John. Matthew's Gospel presents King Jesus, the promised Messiah. Mark presents us with the servant prophet, Jesus. Luke shows us the Son of Man, the humanity of Christ. But John presents Jesus as the divine person of Christ. John's Gospel is very carefully written. He chose, under the Holy Spirit's guidance, Those events that he thought would prove to his audience his intent for writing the gospel. His intent for writing the gospel is found in John 20 and verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Through this gospel, John wanted people to know of the miracles that Christ performed to prove his divinity. The fact is, Christ is the Son of God. That's the overriding theme of the Gospel of John. Christ is the Son of God. So first and foremost, we need to know who Christ is before we can ever believe in Him. You can't believe in something you don't know about. You can't believe in a person you don't even know. And so we need to know who Jesus Christ is before we can start believing in Him. And unlike the other Gospel writers, John is trying to prove the divinity of Christ. And he starts his narrative not with the birth of Christ, not with the beginning of Christ's ministry. John starts his gospel at the beginning. John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. You have to remember that John is presenting Jesus Christ to his readers as the divine Son of God. So, naturally, he starts in eternity past. The proverbial beginning of all things, which for God, there's no such thing. God's outside of time. God created time so that we could understand our world and measure our world and uh, be able to uh, give some sort of order to our existence. God doesn't exist inside of time. To God, every day is today. All time is the same for God. And so we start in the eternity past to us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have a repetition here in the opening statement of John of the opening statement of the entire Bible in Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The word God there in Genesis 1-1 is Elohim, which is a plural noun in the Hebrew. Hebrew has three tenses in their nouns. They have singular, dual, one or two, singular, one, dual, two, and they have plural nouns, which means three or more. Elohim is a plural noun, meaning there's at least three persons contained within the Godhead in the very language of Hebrew. John says, in the beginning, the word was with God showing a plurality in the Godhead. God, John is uh, re-emphasizing what we've been taught from the very beginning of the Bible, that God has a plurality. He is three persons in one person. In the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word is John's special word for his special title for Jesus Christ. The word there we have translated as a word is the word logos in the Greek. And it literally means an expression or a communication. And so we get from that that Jesus Christ is the expression of God Himself. He's the expression of God's love. He is how God has communicated Himself to us in these last days. Words, folks, reveal the thoughts of one person to another. I think something, I say it, you hear my words, now you know what I've thought. Jesus Christ is the expression, the words of God. The thoughts of God the Father are expressed through the word, His Son, Jesus Christ. And John uses the expression, the word, a lot. He uses it at least three more times in John 14, just a few verses after this, "...and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." In his first epistle, John opens up his first epistle, John, 1 John 1, one, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. And then in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, the final book in the Bible, the final book that John wrote, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So in the beginning, Jesus Christ was the Word. At the end of all things, when He comes back to this earth on His white horse, His vesture dipped in blood, His name is the Word. They have a statement here. So we have this statement that Jesus is declared to be with God in the beginning. That means Jesus is said to have existed Forever since time immemorial he is said to have existed that's a big claim and there are those out there who will tell you that that's not true jesus is a created person we'll get into that in a minute but there are scripture after scripture that make the claim that jesus has existed forever jesus himself said in john 8:58 verily verily i say unto you before abraham was i am John 17.5, And now, O Father, glorify thou with me, with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus says, I was with you before the world ever existed. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Colossians 1.15-17, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. In the beginning was the Word. The Word. Jesus Christ, in the beginning. And the Word was with God. Now, here we have a distinctive statement about Jesus Christ. Yes, we know He is God, just as God the Father is God, just as God the Holy Spirit is God. And yet, He is unique from those two, just as they are unique from Him and from each other. Christ is a unique person within the Godhead. The Greek construction of the sentence here gives us a picture of these two. The Father and Son as being almost face-to-face. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, face to face with God. That's almost what the Greek says. So what does that mean to us? It means that Jesus' distinctiveness from the Father is a good thing. See, Jesus died to pay the price for your sins and mine. He had to be distinct from the Father. The Father and Jesus had to be able to be separated in order for Jesus to suffer all the pain and heartache and torture you would suffer in hell if you don't get saved. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And in dying on the cross, he suffered the pain and the heartache and the torture you would experience in hell without God the Father. And that is the number one experience in hell that is torturous. The flames are bad. The worms are bad. The darkness is bad. But above all that... The complete absence of the presence of God—that's the worst torture of hell. Mark thirteen thirty four, and at the ninth hour on the cross, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani," which, being interpreted, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" At some point during those six hours on the cross, three hours naked before man, hanging between heaven and earth, being spit upon, being reviled, being hated, being accused. Then the last three hours, darkness across the whole land, complete pitch darkness across all of Jerusalem, completely separated from his father. The father couldn't look upon him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so, because Jesus is distinct, he was able to suffer that separation from God on your behalf. Because he's distinct from God, though, he also is able to mediate our case before God the Father's throne. First Timothy two five: For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews four fourteen. Through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest who is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Because Jesus is distinct from the Father, He was able to suffer the separation from the Father on the cross on our behalf. Because He's distinct from the Father, He is able now to mediate between us and the Father. When we pray, we don't just tack in Jesus' name on the end of the prayer because that's something you should do. Using the name of Jesus is the most powerful thing you can do in prayer. That is how we gain access to the throne. Without the name of Jesus, you don't have access to the throne. Without Him as your mediator, you have no way to gain access to God the Father. But praise God, He is mediating on our behalf now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word was God. So not only do we have this distinctive person who was with God, But we now have this bold statement, a shocking statement to many, that Jesus Christ is God. And that is, friends, the first and foremost thing we have to understand if we're going to be saved. It's the first thing we have to explain to those who want to be saved, who are willing to be saved. Because if you don't understand that Jesus Christ is God, you can't be saved. Jesus was not in the beginning because that's when God made him. That's not what John one fourteen means. You know, we read in John one fourteen, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That doesn't mean Jesus was created. He was never created. When John says he was, the Word was made flesh, he's just merely saying, this is the time when Jesus appeared on earth in a fleshly tabernacle in, as a man. Jesus was in the beginning, but not because... That's when God made him. Jesus was in the beginning because he is the great I am. He is God himself. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain all the intricacies of the the Trinity to you. I don't think I can even explain the Trinity to you. All I know is this. It's true. There is God the Father. There is God the Son. There is God the Holy Spirit. All three in one. All three are absolutely 100% God, and yet each one is distinct. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are not 33% God each. Each one is 100% God. They are all God, and yet they are all one. And yet there is a distinctiveness between the three. That's a mystery, and it's okay. Mysteries are all right. You're allowed to have some mystery in your life. No good relationship is devoid of mystery, if you're married, you've probably spent the better part of your marriage trying to figure out your spouse. There's still some mystery there, and that's a good thing. There's always something new to discover, something new to find out, something new you never knew, that's a person like that. That's what a relationship with God is like. There's always something new, something that you never knew about before, something you never understood. The mystery's good for us. So in the beginning. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And John's not the only one to make the statement that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus himself made the statement. I just read these already, John eight fifty eight. Jesus said Verily, verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Oh you should go do a study of the I ams in the book of John. Over and over again, John points out the fact that Jesus over and over again used the phrase I am. That infuriated the religious elite, because I am is the name of God the Father. I am is the name God gave to Moses. When Moses said, Who shall I tell the children of Israel, send me? He said, Tell them I am has sent you, the self-existent one. And Jesus said, Before Abraham existed, I am. John 10 30, I and my father are one. Jesus again saying, I'm God. And then it says, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, saying, many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works are you to stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou being a man makest thyself God. A lot of folks will come to your door and they'll knock on your door and they'll ask you to buy a little magazine from them and they'll ask you to come and sit with them on a, in a service at their uh, so-called church, and at the core of their being, at the core of their religion, they're going to tell you that Jesus Christ is not God. Jesus Christ is a created being. If you get deeper and deeper into their faith, and there's another faith out there that believes the exact same thing, you're going to find out that they believe that Jesus Christ is Michael the Archangel. And that God gave Michael the archangel flesh and sent him to this earth as Jesus the Christ. And yet Jesus, and they'll tell you, they'll tell you, Jesus never said I'm God. Well, I just read you two places where Jesus makes it very clear. He said he was God and he is God. John said Jesus is God. Jesus said Jesus is God. Paul said Jesus is God. Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought not robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Jesus didn't think it was robbery. didn't Jesus didn't think it was a wrong thing. Jesus didn't think he was doing something terrible by calling himself God. And then if you go over to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, you find out that God the Father calls Jesus God. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. God the Father says to his Son, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So what does all that mean to us? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. What does that all mean? Well, it means this very simply. If Jesus is God, and He is, there are some implications that that knowledge should have on your life and on your relationship with Him. Now, if you're a person who's listening, listen, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Let me ask you a question. Knowing, understanding, appropriating in your heart and mind the knowledge that Jesus Christ is God Himself. How quick will you be to use his name in vain? I mean, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not use the Lord, name of the Lord thy God in vain, right? You say, well, I don't use the name of the Lord in vain. I don't use curse words like that. I, I, I don't. Yes, but how flippant are you with the name? I mean, the name of God is not a curse word. Jesus is not a word you use after you hit your thumb with a hammer or when you're exasperated with someone. God... Doesn't have a last name, and we know what many people think his last name is blasphemy using the name of the Lords of the Lord in vain It's a very serious thing because if Jesus is God, oh well, he could strike you down right now if you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, what kind of effect knowing he is God, what kind of effect does that knowledge have? on your life. If he is man and God, let me ask you, shouldn't you make sure you're on his good side? Which leads me to ask this question, have you been saved? Now, you might be a good church-going person. You might be someone who's been in a good Bible-believing church for a while, and and you say, well, you know, preacher, I, I believe... What uh, the church says, and, and I believe what my preacher says, and I go to church every Sunday, and I, I give my tithe, and, and I teach, and I do I know, that's not what I'm asking you. I didn't ask you if you went to church, I didn't ask you if you gave your money, I didn't ask you if you served. I asked you if you were saved, if you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you been saved? You see, here's a real good way to gauge whether or not you're saved. In Romans chapter 8, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Something happens when a person gets saved. Their life changes. You say, well, I walked down an aisle. I I went to the front. I, I said the prayer. They told me to pray. But did anything change? Do you still have the same old appetite you had before? Do you have the same desires? Does your eye wander like it used to? Do you still desire things you shouldn't have? Oh, I—I mean, I'm not trying to get in anybody's business, but you know, I mean, are you still drinking things you shouldn't drink? Are you saying things you shouldn't say? Are you going to places you shouldn't go to, either physical places or virtual places? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? If you don't, it's really easy to figure this out. It's really easy to get saved because Jesus has made it as simple as possible because if he didn't make it simple, nobody would get saved. Number one, you need to recognize the fact that you are a sinner. All of us have sinned. Romans chapter 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. Now, I I, I know if I asked you right now, most of the people I talk to and I ask this question, they answer absolutely yes, positive. And the question is this, are you a good person? When I ask somebody if you're a good person, they always answer yes, yes, of course I'm a good person. Who wants to think that they're a bad person? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever told a lie? Have you? Well, preacher, you no, that, that doesn't work. I mean, you can't say because I've told a lie that uh, I'm a bad person. I mean, one lie doesn't make me a liar. Really? I bet you one lie makes me a liar in your eyes. If I lied to you one time, I bet you'd label me a liar. Have you ever killed someone? Oh, goodness, no, preacher. Come on, what kind of person do you think I am? Of course, I've never killed anybody yet, yeah, but Jesus said, if you hate your brother in his heart, ho- in your heart... You've committed murder. Are you an adulterer? Of course not. And yet Jesus said, if you look at a person with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with them in your heart. Have you been in church every single Sabbath, Sunday, every single time that the doors are open, and when you're supposed to be in church? No, of course you haven't. Have you always honored your father and mother? Of course not. you Nobody gets out of their teenage years without having (laughs) dishonored their parents at some point. We're all sinners. We've all broken the rules of God, the the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments really aren't commandments, these things that you're not supposed to do. they are ten observations. These are the things you're doing, and you know they're wrong. And the only way to overcome those things is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't make yourself a better person. I hear people say all the time, well, once I get myself straightened out, I'll go to church. No. No. You'll never go to church. Because you'll never get yourself straightened out. I'll never get myself straightened out. Nobody ever gets themselves straightened out enough to go to church. Church isn't a place for good people. Church isn't a country club for holy people. Church is a hospital for broken, hurt people. And you need to be in church because you're a sinner. And so am I. And so is the preacher. So are all of us. But by the grace of God, some of us have found salvation. You can find that too. Are you... A sinner? Well, then all you have to do if you know you're a sinner is believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God and that He died on a cross to pay for your sins and on the third day He was raised from the dead and that calling on Him, well, that is the only way to have your sins forgiven. Asking Him to come into your life and be your Savior, that's the only way to get your sins forgiven. And so you have to confess Accept that you're a sinner. Believe. It's ABC. Accept that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he died on the cross for your sins, then confess. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in your heart, you'll be saved. That's it. It's believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Why do I have to confess with my mouth? Why do I have to say it out loud? Go down a few verses there in Romans. It says, those that believe on the Lord shall not be ashamed. God wants to know that you really mean it, that you believe it. Are you ashamed of him? If you're not, you'll say it out loud. If you're not saved, I encourage you today to call on the Lord Jesus and ask him to save your soul. You can do it right where you're at right now. It's a very simple thing Accept that you're a sinner Believe that He is God And He died for your sins And confess that with your mouth And God will save your soul But what if you are saved? Having said all these things About the Word and the beginning And and Jesus being God Himself what, What does that mean for us? Well, let me just ask you real quick Do you realize the full effect Of having God as your personal Savior? I mean, if a man saves you from a fall That's good But would you be turning around and saying to that man, thank you for saving me from the fall, now could you do something else for me? But that's exactly what Jesus is offering us. He's saying to us, I'm saving you from the fall, and now ask of me. Ask of me, and I'll do things in your life you never thought possible. I can give you greater things, Jesus says, if you'll just call on me. How's your prayer life? What are you asking God for today? How grateful are you are, are you for what Jesus, the man, the God, did to save your life? How grateful are you to Jesus? And so knowing that Jesus is God and holding that truth to your heart, that should make a difference in your life. So I ask you the last question, has Jesus made a difference in your life? Thanks for joining me today. I will be working very hard to have a new podcast ready for you each and every week. My goal is to upload on every Friday, so check back each Friday. Uh, Or better yet, just subscribe to our feed. Also, if you were blessed by today's podcast, would you be so kind as to leave a review on iTunes for us? It would really help us to keep reaching more and more folks with the gospel. And don't forget to check us out on the web as well. Send us an email. And I'll add your name to our email list for updates on events and happenings and blessings here at the center here in Jacksonville. Thanks again for joining me today. God bless. Till Jesus returns, I'm Dave Mason.
0: Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.